Lord. He wants, I will bless the Lord at all times. Despite what life may be right now, I will bless the Lord at all times. Despite what you have in account, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Come on, bless him, bless him, bless him, bless him. Come on, speak well of him, speak well of him. Talk good about him right now. Give him honor with your lips. Give him praise and glory with your lips. Hallelujah. Yes, you are. Yes, Hallelujah. you are. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 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 God, I pray right now that in this moment of worship that we will have a sense of priority, Father God, that we will put you before even the greatest need that we may have right now. God, that even in this moment that we will make you number one despite what may be despite what may be on the horizon right now in our lives, despite what may be coming to us this week, God, we adore you right now. We magnify you. We glorify you. We, we exalt you despite what our anxieties may be about the future. God, we, we make you number one right now. To give you praise, to give you glory, to give you honor. Because you're God. Simply because you're God. If you never do anything else and still remain God, God, that's enough. You don't give us more money. If you don't bless us with other stuff, God. The fact that you remain to be God in an ever-changing world and society. We give you glory. We give you praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, right there in your homes. I know, I know it may seem strange, but right there in your homes, just put your hands together and give God glory and give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. But well, once again, good morning. Good morning, Hopewell. Good morning, friends of the well. We are so excited um, that you have tuned in today. We don't take this thing for granted because you could be watching another live stream, but we're so glad that you're at the right place at the right time. And I, I, and I assure you, God has something to say to you this morning. He really does. He has something to say to you this morning. So if you have not already, or if you already have, text somebody else. Amen. Text somebody else to let them know that the Hope World Experience is on and going right now. Hope World everywhere. The Hope World Experience, Hope at Home is live right now. Invite them. Invite them to come on in and to be a part of what God is doing right now. To be a part of what God is doing right now. I know I say this every week and I do it purposely and intentionally because I definitely think God uh, for our essential team during this time. Amen. Even though we have not physically been in the building on a weekly basis, amen, ministry is still going forth. There are dedicated men and women that are working behind the scenes to ensure um, that ministry is still going forth. We're still blessing those that may be in need. The gospel of Jesus Christ is still going forth. So I thank God uh, for our trustees. I thank God for our children's ministry. I thank God for our small group leaders. I thank God for our Sunday school superintendent and Sunday school teachers on this making sure the disciples are still being mature. Amen. Even during this time where we're embracing technology, we embrace it right where we are. I was just telling one of our leaders um, this past week, some of our leaders this past week, um, that our aim and our focus is not to get back into the building, but our aim and our focus is to be able to maximize right where we are right now. Because if we look, if we focus on that, we will miss a moment um, that we have right now to be able to make Jesus famous. So I thank God for our essential 
central team. I thank God uh, for our music ministry, amen, that is leading us into the presence of the Lord every week. Our praise team, our musicians, amen, that are blessing us every week. Our media team, amen, um, that is helping us to make sure that we're going forth in the spirit of excellence in all that we do. So I'm just excited. Our office manager, all of those that play behind the scene roles, I'm excited. Um, I'm, I'm excited and grateful for them and how God is using them um, during this time. Well, listen, we're not going to keep on talking, amen. There is a word from the Lord. Um, go with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, amen. Just two verses, verses 24 and verse 25. Verses 24 and 25. We're starting um, a new series. We're going to give you a little time to get to Genesis. Um, if you're struggling, amen, to get to Genesis, amen. Text me at the church. Inbox me, amen. I'm going to hook you up, amen, with Mother Calvert and some of the Sunday school teachers so we can get you on your way, amen, so that when you leave 2020, you can say what your bad self. I know what the book of Genesis is, amen. Uh, so just hit me up at the church and let me know. We'll get you, get you all squared away, amen, and let you know where Genesis is. So Genesis chapter 2, um, verses 24 and 25. Um, as you're looking for that, I'm excited. We're starting a new series today entitled, This Is Us. This Is Us. We're going to be talking about family. Um, this month going over into September, we're going to be talking about family this month and going into September. I already hear somebody saying, oh, well, that's not a word for me today. I'm by myself. I don't have a family, but don't you tune away too quick. I want you to stay right where we are because it's a buffet. It's something for everybody. I promise you, if you settle down with us, amen, you're going to be able to get something out of this world today that is going to be able to bless you. Never get to a place in your spiritual walk uh, uh, that, you, that you feel as if certain words are not for you. It may not be for that time right now. It may be something that God uses as a classroom to develop you and to get you ready for where you are going and what he has in store for you in the future. Or it may be a word that helps you to be able to take some assessments and some evaluations of where you are right now to better where you are. Amen. So never, never Ever think that the word is beneath you, amen. Don't grow that way. Don't grow that. Don't grow in spiritual arrogance that you feel as if a word is not for you. But take the time, take the time to see, God, how are you using this word to shape my life for where I am right now or for where I'm going in the future? Oh, God, what is it that you're desiring to use this word to help shape something on the inside of me to better me for what you have for me um, in the future? Amen. Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. Here's what it says. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. They felt no shame. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but felt no shame at all. God bless this word right now. Lord, don't let it fall on deaf ears. Help us to look for how we can apply the words our lives that we may grow. God, we've already made up in our minds right now that as we're coming to this word, oh God, that we're going to obey. We're going to fully instantaneously obey and do whatever it is that you are calling for us to do. In Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said amen 
amen and amen. I want to kick off this series as we're talking about this is us talking about family. I want to, I want to kick this series off uh, with the title, Making Marriage Great Again. Making Marriage Great Again. Again, before you tune off and go somewhere else, uh, before you just keep it on and play on the other tablet or something like that, I want you to hear what God has to say because there is something, whether you've been married 20 years, 20 minutes, 5 years, whatever the case may be, God has something to say to you according to marriage. If you are single and you are desiring marriage in the future, God has something to say to you in this moment. If you're in between and you just don't know, God has something to say to you um, in this moment. So please settle in with us as we investigate the word of God and see what God has to say to us about making marriage great again. I believe this. I solely believe this, that apart from one of the greatest institutions of God creating the church, that another great institution that God created was marriage. I believe, now I know I have to say this, I know I have to say this, that marriage is between a husband and a wife. Amen. Not too much of a discussion to be able to have. The Bible is clear when it comes to that. Amen. The marriage is between a husband and a wife. But I also believe, I also believe that there is so much, so much within the word of God to help us to be able to enrich our covenant, the covenant of marriage. I believe there is so much within the word of God that can better prepare us if we are desiring marriage in the future from a single woman's perspective, from a single man's perspective, that the word of God is a guide to help us to better ourselves so that we can be able to come to the marriage given the very best that we can. I believe, I believe that no matter how long you have been married, once again, if you've been married 50 years, if you've been married 10 years, 20 minutes, one year, it does not make a difference. The word of God is yet still there to help enrich where you are. I believe this as well, that if you have been married 40, 30, 50 years, amen, you just don't want to settle and just take it for whatever it is, that no matter how long you've been married, you desire for your marriage to thrive and not just to survive. You want your marriage to be thriving. You want to look at your spouse after 25 years and still get butterflies in your belly. You want to look at your spouse 25, 30 years down the road and still be excited through the ups and the downs that God has joined you all together. I hope that this word may be able to bless those that may be on the word verge of separation or divorce. They can help bring some clarity of a time of assessment and evaluation to help you steward, to help direct you guys back to God so that he can be able to restore because God is just still in the business of restoration. God can still restore, uh, God can still restore a bad marriage. God can still come in and bring it back together. The Bible is right. What, what, what God has joined together, let no man separate. God can still be able to get the glory out of your marriage despite wherever it may be at this time that it can be a testimony to somebody else. Look what God can do when you let him in. Look what God can do when you invite him in. Look at what God can do when you make him first in your relationship. I never forget, I never forget a few years ago when the world was open and you could walk around without a mask and you could look at people and not be apprehensive about engaging in conversation with people. I know that seems so long ago, but that was just the early part of 2020 going back to 2019. I'm telling you, when my kids, when I have grandkids, I cannot wait when they're learning in school about 2020 to sit them down and they come around and have me a nice little porch, a nice, nice little rocking chair, and they're going to say, Papa, can you tell us about 2020? 
2020 and I'm just going, tears are going to roll down my face and I'm going to pull out my journal and read from them all the way from March to 2020, all the way up until then and their lives are going to be changed at the stuff that they're going to re- be able to receive from Papa's journal. But that's a long time from now. Amen. But I never forget with a few years ago, there was a young man that I saw. He had on the, no, there was a suit that I saw in the store. Oh my gosh. I take you back. It was K&G down in Fairview Heights, Illinois. I don't even think K&G is there anymore. But anyway, I do were there and it was a three piece suit. I love three piece suits. A three piece navy suit with red stripes. It had a vest that the vest was double breasted and I just saw myself and I just knew that if I got this suit God would be pleased with my life and my ministry. I had to get it. I had to get the suit because I knew that when I put it on something was going to come over me. I already have the shirt in mind. I already have the tie in mind. I already have the shoes in mind. I already have the cufflinks in mind. I already have the uh, the socks in my I had everything lined out and how I was going to put this suit together so I was very excited about the suit but something happened I saw someone at a service that had on that same entire that same suit everything minus 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 my shirt minus my tie minus my accessories but I saw them with the suit on and I was just in utter disgust Because the truth of the matter is, I know, I know, every man does not have the anointing, I'm being funny when I say anointing, to be able to wear a suit. Not every guy can be able to wear a suit. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. You got to make sure that you got the right size. You got to make sure that you have a good seamstress, a plug right there. Uh, For Sister Deborah Golden, if you're looking for somebody, she can hook you up real good. Someone that knows how your body is and can be able to make the adjustments and make the suit seem as if it has been custom made just for you your body. I saw the suit and I said, oh my gosh. Now what I saw at K&G, I no longer want it because of how they are wearing the suit. I was turned off, not by the suit, but how they wore the suit. Pastor Sermons, what are you saying? I believe that there are so many people now that are desiring marriage and desire to be in the covenant of marriage. I mean, they daydream, they think about it, they can't wait for that big day. They already got their dress picked up. They already got who's going to be in their way they already have the invitations in mind. They talk to Warren about the invitations. They talk to Warren uh, about the invitation. They talk to Warren about the pictures and the setup and what's going to be on the screens for the wedding. They done met with Sister Carla to find out how the sanctuary is going to be decorated, what the food is going to be like. They've taste tasted cakes and food to prepare themselves for that day. But they've run across some people that are currently married and they see the state of their marriage and they still love the idea and the concept of marriage, but they've been turned off because of how they wear their marriage. I believe, I believe, I believe that it's so critical right now. It's so critical. It is so critical that we don't know that that, 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 that that we don't get so caught up in everything in life that we forget 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 to be able to wear whatever state that we may be in to be able to wear it well. I believe it is a disservice to your evangelistic ability to be able to be married but not to wear it well because of what it gives off to other people that may be single, that may be in between within their marriage, people that want to desire to get marriage, but when they see your marriage, they walk away in utter disgust and say, I don't want that anymore. 
I believe we have to use the word of God. We have to use the word of God. We have to engage the word of God and allow the word of God to engage our hearts so that we can be able to have hope for what a marriage looks like and pray that God will send godly marriages in our lives and godly couples in our lives that can be able to show us what marriage really looks like. The ups and the downs, the bumps and all those things that come within there that they can be able to still show us that marriage is a great thing. It is something that is nothing wrong with desiring to be able to be in the covenant of marriage, but they can show us by examples how to be able to wear it well. No one, no one, no one, please hear what I'm saying. No one should walk away from viewing you and your wife, you and your spouse's relationship and say, oh my God, I don't want that no more. Pastor, why is it so important? Because you may come from a home where your parents were divorced and you saw some things that have gone on. You saw some things that was not right. Or you may have parents right now, they have longevity in their marriage, but they don't like each other no more. And so we want to use the word of God to help us to be, to use the word of God to help us to be our guide, to help us to be our focal point in making marriage great again. I'm telling you, I make no apologies. I thank God for the institution of marriage. I thank God for the covenant of marriage. I thank God because one of the worst things that you can do is not be married. One of the worst things that you can do is be married to the wrong person. Oh, you waited all this time. I mean, you've been excited. You done prayed, cried, fasted, rolled in the floor, done been at the altar with Mother Simon, and you done got married, and now the person that you are with, you feel you come to realize, oh my God, I've married the wrong person. I want to use the word of God to engage our hearts and engage our minds and to look at how we can be able to make marriage great again how can we be able to put the the the, 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 the the proudness the pride back in being married how can we be able to to hold up the banner of marriage and be excited and see other godly couples be married and say that is what I desire for my life in God's timing that is what I desire for myself even though I know that with that is going to come some ups and downs some bumps and roll sickness and in health there's going to be some challenges within that but I'm willing and ready to put in the work to make marriage great again I believe there are four crucial questions that every married couple should ask one another. And I also believe that with these same questions, these are questions, these are good dating questions. And if you're with someone, you guys have been together for a while, and you just know, hey, God, I think you might be whispering in my ear that this could possibly be the one. That these are good questions to be able to have some dialogue with and some conversations with before you say I do. Because if you're, not, if you're already seeing some signs now and things may seem a little fishy right now, please, I need you to understand understand that may be the Holy Ghost talking to you and trying to get your attention to alarm you and to alert you about some things that, 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 that these questions can help lead God and direct you in making marriage great again and it's right here in the word it's right here in the word here it is here's the first question and, and not only is this good for every married couple um, to be able to ask along with that that no matter how long you've been married just don't take for, just, just don't take for granted that just because you've been married 50 60 years that everything is all good do you all still like each other I mean do you all still vibe together do you do you realize that over that time span your spouse has changed your spouse has changed they have that they have grown they have developed into 
well, the person, you, do you know who they are? They may have liked um, gushes when you all first got married, but they done upgraded. Now, now they like turtles. It could be. Or vice versa. Have you take this time now to be able to engage in conversation, to be able to engage in some good dialogue to evaluate and to assess where you are. Here it is. I'm going to get out your way. Again, don't turn me off. Don't, don't take your finger off that button. Don't turn me off. Stay right there because I'm telling you, it's definitely um, going to bless you. Here's the first question right here. Do you feel like a priority? Do you feel like a priority? I'm not saying nothing out the blue. It's right here in verse 24. Here it is right here. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This explains why a man will leave his father and his mother and join to his wife. Here it is. Here it is. An important question that you have to ask if you are already currently married, if you are engaged, if you are thinking about marriage for the near future and you're in a relationship with someone where this thing is real serious and you think that it's moving towards marriage. It's a good question to ask. Do you feel like a priority? Do you feel like you're number one in my life? Do I make, do I make an effort to, do I make an effort to make you number one in my life? Are you, are you the primary relationship in my life? Or does everything else come before you? This is so important. This is so important because the way that you're able to make your spouse a priority in your life is real simple, but it's challenging at the same time. Time, time. Time, time is an essential commodity that you need within, within any type of marriage. You want to build intimacy in your marriage and not just, listen, here it is. We have to stop equating intimacy just with sex. Oh, yeah, you know, we, we have to talk about that now in church. We have to stop equating intimacy with just sex. It's not just that. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God and praise the Lord for that. But it's not just that. It is time that you have for each other. It is time that you make for one another. So you have to ask yourself, you have to ask your spouse and allow your spouse to respond and then make the question for you as well. Do I make you a priority? Do you feel like you're a priority in my life? Does it seem as if when you call me or you text me, I'm delayed in responding? Does everything else come before you? Gotta you ask yourself the question. Especially if you're in a serious relationship and you're moving towards marriage and you, or if you're engaged, because if you're not a priority right now, it may be a little bit challenging for you to become a priority after you say I do. Are you a priority? The Bible says. This explains why a man will leave his father and mother when he's at the home, when he's in the home of his father and his mother. His parents are a priority in his life. But when he leaves home and he goes to cleave to his wife, now his wife is a priority in his life. And that's the way that it should be. That whomever it is that you are married to, whomever it is that you are looking to marry, whoever it is that you are engaged to, they should be a priority in your life. It's not something, get this you all, it's not something that they should have to beg for, but it's something that should be freely given. If I can't get you to text me back now, what makes me think that's going to happen when we get married? If it's hard for you to answer my phone calls now, 
Because now you got me looking suspicious. Now you got me looking all over the place. Now you got me paranoid because you may be up to something and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. If you're not able to answer my phone calls now, what makes me think that's going to happen after we say I do? You have to ask yourself the question. Do I make an effort? Because here it is. Nothing will be a priority in your life if you don't make the effort to make it happen. It's not just going to happen on its own. It is an effort that you have to make to make your spouse number one in your life. You cannot be married and and live like you're single. It can't happen. It can't happen because if that's the case, you are doomed to have a crazy marriage or a short marriage. Oh, I can't get no amens right there. If we was in a house right now, somebody will agree with me and say amen. That you cannot be married and live like you're single. No, there comes a space and a time that, hey, I know I got my friends. I got, I got my buddies that I may kick it with and may hang out with, but they are no longer a priority in my life. They may be secondary, third, fourth, fifth. They're along the, they're, 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 they're along the line, but my first main priority has to be my spouse. They got to know that despite what may be going on, I will drop what I'm doing to be able to get to you, to meet your needs, to engage with you. I will give you my time. I, I will give you my time. Here it is now. I know, I know, I know back in the day folks had to fit. Oh, all these kids on these games. Oh my gosh. Oh, these kids don't want to do nothing but play games. But here it is now. We were so we were so upset about games. Here it is now. What's happening is that social media is changing the whole game. You can't talk to nobody about the, without them having their phone in their hand. Listen, I can't talk to my one-year-old and she got her phone in her hand. You can't talk to nobody without them having their phone in their hand. And I know what they say. I know. Well, I can be able to multitask. No, if I am a priority in your life, I need your full and undivided attention. Facebook is going to be there when you get back. Some of the stuff is just uh, just immaturity and drama. You can come back to that and get back to that in a moment. But I need you to engage me with your time. I want to see your eyes when I'm talking to you. All right. Time is an essential commodity to any relationship, but it's vital in a marriage. No spouse wants to feel as if they're in competition with your social media friends or your friends in real life. They want to know and need to know that I am a priority in your life. I shouldn't have to beg for it. I shouldn't have to throw shade on Facebook in order to get the attention, but I should be able to get it because I'm your spouse. And you said you loved me, and I said that, that I loved you. I'll never forget, we had a marriage seminar here a few years ago, and Pastor Phil Nordstrom, he said something. It was a long, long time ago, but I will never forget it. He said, your marriage is the primary relationship after Jesus. He says, according to priorities, it's Jesus first, it's your spouse, and then it's your kids, and then it's everything else. He says the marriage has to be the primary relationship in your life. That after, why does Jesus have to be first? You all know why. Because he's got to be the glue that keeps everything together. He has to be the standard that keeps everything together. My, my spouse cannot trump my walk with God, but I got to make sure that I have him first and then my spouse. My spouse has to come before my kids. Uh-oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Reverend. What do you mean? Because 
because here is what will happen. You will be, you will become so codependent upon your kids, and that once you, once your kids leave and go to school, then you and your spouse don't have an idea how to engage with each other because everything was about the kids. Y'all sitting there looking. They looking at you. You looking at them. Years on went by and we're still looking because we don't know how to engage each other because everything was centered around kids. Everything was centered around church. And now that we retire, we don't know what to do. Everything was centered around church. But at the building, we don't know what to say to each other because it's, everything else was centered around church. It has to be, it must be the primary relationship in your life. They have to know without a shadow of a doubt that they are number one and you have to know without a shadow of a doubt that you are number one. Priority says, I'm going to keep this relationship first. And I'm going to guard the time to have full engagement and investment into this marriage. No matter how long you've been married, ask your spouse, hey, do you feel like a priority in my life? Are we married but you feel like the side chick or the side man? Are we married and you feel like everything else, everybody else gets my full and undivided attention but you? Do you feel like that you get what's left over after everybody else has gotten? Because here it is. Nobody, nobody hangs out anywhere where there's no honor. Where there's no respect, where there's no honor, folks are not going to kick it there for a long time. Nobody is going to hang out where there is no respect or where there's no honor. Because where there's no respect, where there's, where there's no honor, that cannot be no priority. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Do you feel like you're a priority? Here's the second question. It's real quiet in here. Duh, Pastor, ain't nobody in there. I know, I'm just saying that uh, to, to, to entertain you and to engage. I hope you laugh when I said that. Amen. If you didn't go ahead and laugh right now, this is a good place to laugh. Amen. Look at question number two. Here it is. Number two. Do you feel like you get my devotion? Do you feel like you get my devotion? Do you feel like you get my devotion? Look at the latter part of verse 24. It says, and the two are united into one. The two are united into one. And, and is joined with his wife and the two are united into one. Do you feel like you get my devotion? Pastor, what's devotion? Devotion is your energy, your passion, and your effort. Is there a constant pursuit of you in my marriage? In other words, and even though that we're married, even though I got you, you we got nice rings, we got a nice house, we got kids and all of that good stuff, but are we still pursuing each other? Are we still flirting with each other? <laughs> are we still putting in the energy and the passion and the effort to sustain 
our marriage. Listen here, I know you got them now. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. But you shouldn't just stop now because you got them and you're hanging your hat on because I got them. They're going to be here forever. Again, nobody wants to hang out in a place where there's no honor, where there's, where there's no respect. No, I want you to still pursue me. I still want you to surprise me. I still want to go on dates. I still want to be able to engage with each other and have fun with each other. I still want to know that you still desire me. Give me that same energy you gave me when we first got together. Give me that same passion, that same effort that you gave me when we first got together. Do you have do you have my devotion? Do I have your devotion? Now I know when I say that, when I say effort, I know people get a little nervous when I say that because effort means work. You have to put some work in. You're going to have to put some work. I don't, I don't care how fine you think you are. I don't care how fine your wife is. I don't care what, what, what type of bodies either one of you all have. Does that make a difference at all? Marriage has marriage means work. There is work that you have to put into this thing every day of your lives. If you want this thing to thrive, if you want this thing to survive, it is work. Ask any couple, whether you've been married one day, married, whether you've been married 50 years, 60 years, it is work that you have to put into the marriage. It is energy that you have to put put into the marriage. It is it is passion. It is effort that you have to put into the marriage 24-7. There is no 50%. I put in half, you put in half. No, no, no. You got to put everything that you got into this thing to make sure this thing works. I mean, it is mind, body, and soul prayer. It is everything that you have to put into it. So you have to be ready. You have to be ready to come given full energy, full passion, and full effort because here is the truth of the matter. If you are not willing to make that spouse a priority in your life, if you're not willing to have their devotion or to give them their devotion, if if you're on the outskirts of thinking of potentially getting married and those first two questions are hard for you to do, you better not say I do. I don't care about the down deposit you put down for the venue because here it is we made it so societally we have made it so that we invest so much into the wedding but little into the marriage. You can have a bad, I don't been, I've been to some wild where I mean, it was party. We had a good time, ate good and everything, but the marriage didn't last long. The ceremony was longer than the marriage. Why? They invested money, big money into the wedding, but little devotion to the marriage. So don't judge. Don't judge. Well, Pastor, I got to have this way. I got to have the wedding of my dreams. That's absolutely fine. That's great. If you can afford it, that's great. You don't have to go in debt to have a nice wedding. You don't have to go in debt to have a... You don't have to go in debt. You don't have to go in debt to have a nice wedding. But please, man, please, sir, make sure that you are making the greatest investment that you can. And that's into your marriage for the longevity and the thriving and the surviving of your marriage. I want to look back at your reception and be ready to throw up. No, 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 no. You want to look back and reminisce on the memories. We had a great wedding, but we have a great marriage. If you're not willing to make them a priority, if you're not willing to give them your devotion, please, ma'am, please, sir, it's going to hurt and sing a little bit, but don't say I do until you're ready to do those things. 
for pastor, what do I do? We all, <laughs> pastor, we all, we all, we already married. I'm, I got an insurance policy on them. They got one on me. We got kids. What do we do now? Then you're going to have to reassess and get some godly counsel and some evaluation to help you all get back on track. Do you feel like you have my devotion? Do you feel like you're a priority? And here it is. Do you feel like we're partners? That's right there in the latter part of verse 24. And the two were united into one. And the two were united into one. Do you feel like we're partners? i never forget me and Sister Swins first got married. I was headstrong about the fact, hey, we're going to have a house. We're going to start our house. We're going to start our marriage off in our own home. We're not going to rent. Not knocking that. But both of us came from renting as singles. We're going to start our marriage off with a house. We're going to start off with a house. Excited. Excited about it. Find the house. We're like, cool. We could be here for a few years or whatever. And then we'll move on up just like the Jeffersons. And we just, we'll start off here and work our way up and be all good to go. So we're in negotiations and everything. We're getting ready to do the paperwork with the bank. And, 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 and I'm getting ready. I, I'm, ex- I'm proud of myself. Man, I said, hey, listen, we, this is July. We're getting ready to get married in August. We're about to sign the papers on the house. It's brand spanking new. Ain't nobody ever lived in there. We'll be the first ones in there. Oh, I'm all excited about it. Getting ready to sign the papers. Sister Swims is like, uh, she said, hey, come here for a second. I'm like, Man, what? What you want? I'm about to sign the papers for the house. You, what, 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 what do you want? And she was like, you know what? Maybe we should do a 15-year mortgage instead of a 30-year mortgage. I said, no, we ain't gonna do a 30-year because if we do 30, that's gonna be more on the. That's gonna be more money. We come out every month. We just do the 15. Uh, uh, no, we're not gonna do a 15 because that'd be more money we have to pay every month. We'll just do the 30. We'll be cool. We'll be straight. No, I really think no. We gonna go ahead and do this. So we, you know, you know how you're trying to argue but not argue at the same time because you don't want people to know what's going on in your life. So we're out there talking through our teeth and stuff. We're talking real strong about this. She's really going strong for the 15 years. I'm really going strong about the 30 years and she's still going strong about the 15 years I'm still going strong about the 30 and I said I'm putting my foot down we're going with the 30 years so needless to say there was silence in the car on our way back go in there sign the papers do it for the 30 years eight years go by I say honey you know what what I said, I sure do wish I had listened to you that day at the bank. What you mean? I sure do wish we had said a 15-year mortgage instead of a 30-year mortgage. Because, you know, we would have been halfway done paying this house off. In that moment, it was a fight for control when really it was a moment for partnership. Oh, God, y'all don't want to help me preach in today. It was a moment that I was fighting for control. Why? I was trying to build my platform that I'm the man of the house. I run it. When all she was doing was sharing good wisdom to say, let's do 15 instead of 30. Because as time goes by, And what did any good husband do eight years later? I went and made the thing in 15 years. (laughs) 
would have made that thing 15 years wishing I had did it before because so much time has gone by. The idea of partnership is for a husband and wife to walk in as one. The idea of partnership is for the husband and wife to walk together in unity. The idea of partnership is not for them, it's not for them to think alike, it's not to take away from their identity, but the idea of partnership is for the husband and, and the wife to be able to walk together as one. It is never a thing of control that I know contrary to what we may have learned. I'm sorry from some church cultures and what and how some have twisted the scriptures around to make it seem as if that the husband is to be able to dominate. I can't wait to get to submission. It's for husband. It's to dominate on the wife. I'm sorry. That is not what it is. I know. I know. I know. I know. I've even heard some pastors say that hey your wife is to walk behind you and not beside you. No, no, no. I want Sister Swimmers right there beside me because because there are some things that she is better at than I am. There are some things that she has better insight on than I do. I don't want her behind me. I want her beside me, whispering in my ear, so that we can be able to make the best decisions for our lives together as one. It has to be a partnership because if it's not a partnership, you will ruin your marriage, one or the other, trying to dominate on the other. Why does that happen? Because, hey, we may have seen it in our families. We may, we may have seen that down through the years on TV. We may have seen that, and it may be the culture in some of our families that, hey, it's what they say, and that's it. No, 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 no. There are times, there are times, there are times, there are times, there are times. Well, hey, what I'm saying is what we're going to roll with, but I thank God that I have a wife that is wise. I have, a, I have a wife that hears God as well that can come, and I say, you know, I ain't thought about that. I know, you're right. Go on with your bad stuff, girl. You're right. And there may be times where we go back and forth where we're trying to fight for control. And the Lord has to help us. No, it's not a, it shouldn't be a fight for control. This is a moment for you all to walk together as one. This is a moment for you all to walk together in partnership and that you say, you get this, get this, please get this, please get this. That we refuse to dominate the other. You got to make it. Hey, if you're single and you're dating, if you're engaged, and if it's a thing that because they're not fully secure in themselves, and they feel that the only way they can, that they can be secure in themselves is trying to control you and dominate you, run, Forrest, run. Get out of there. Don't say I do. Get your refund back on the hall. Don't go any further. Do not collect $200 and go. Go, run. Because you will find yourself getting caught in a web that's not even a marriage. You will find yourself getting caught in a mess that brings God no honor. It should never be a thing that, that I'm approaching marriage from the perspective I want to I wanna have dominion over them. I want to have control over them. I want them to do as I say. No, no. 
So that's why it's so important. That's why it's so important. But in your singleness, that you find your fulfillment in God as much as you can and you get healed as much as you can so that you won't be, bring toxic stuff into your marriage. I, I'm telling folks now, you, you got to do full investigations out before you say I do to anybody. I mean, you got to go sit with family and they got grandparents. Bring out the baby pictures. I want to see pictures. I want to see birth certificates. I need to see everything. I want to talk to cousins. I, I want to talk to godparents. I want to talk to the, to the play cousins, T.T., Uncle Bob. I want to talk to everybody before I say I do. Something's not right. I gotta, gotta make sure that I, I heed the warning of the Holy Spirit and not hit play when I should hit pause. Marriage has to be a partnership. It has to be something. It has to be something. It has to be something. I like, I like what my good friend and brother, Pastor David Barrington says. He says it's not a, it's not a thing of him. If, if there's something that he desires to do, that if it, you know, if it may be him being out with friends or just whatever the case may be, he says it's not a thing of me needing my wife's permission. I want her unity. I'm grown, she's grown, we don't need each other's permission, but I want to be, I want us to be partners in whatever the decision is. Because I don't want her to feel like she's not my partner. I don't want them to feel like they don't have my devotion. I don't want them to feel like they're not a priority in my life. Let me hurry up. Y'all getting tired of me. It's after 11 o'clock. Here it is. Number four. Do I have personal integrity with you? Do I have personal integrity with you? Look at verse 25. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. You all know in Genesis chapter 3, from the very beginning of time when God created uh, Eve for Adam and brought them together, they were, they were walking, just walking, just enjoying, enjoying God and eating. I mean, walking in an unbroken fellowship with God. Everything was good. There was, there was no sin. Everything was right. They were naked. They didn't even know they were naked. I mean, this because it was just the way. It was the culture. It was the timing. It's just the way how stuff was. And it was not until Eve engaged Satan in that conversation in the Garden of Eden. Uh, and, and there in Genesis chapter 3, that everything just went downhill. Because we all know what happened and had the conversation, had the conversation. Hey, did God really mean what he said? If you ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that you would, that would not die. The serpent said, no, you ain't going to die. Go ahead. It looks good. It's going to be good for you. It's going to feel good. It's going to taste good. Go ahead and go for it, Eve. She comes. Gives Adam some. They eat. And automatically, what? Their eyes were open. You all know the story in Genesis chapter 3. Their eyes were open. And now, Sin makes his way in. God comes on the scene. Where y'all at? Well, God, we realized that we were naked, so we ran and hide. God said, who told you you were naked? You must have, and almost like a parent, you must have ate from that tree, didn't you? And what was the first thing that Adam did? He blamed his wife. He said, well, this woman, she gave it to me. Pastor, what does personal integrity have to do with marriage? It has everything to do with marriage. Because get this, my integrity, my words, my actions, and my attitude affects my spouse. Your words, 
your actions and your attitude affects your spouse. In marriage, there has to be personal integrity because get this, I know you're so smart, you double degree from SIU, I know you're so smart, you read books, you go to conferences, all that good stuff, but there's going to come a time in your marriage where you're going to be wrong. And you're going to have to man up, you're going to have to woman up and acknowledge the fact, you know what honey, boo, babe, whatever you call them, I'm sorry, I was wrong for what I said, I was wrong for my actions, I was wrong for my attitude. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Not playing the blame game. Not trying to shut the other one down. Not saying, well, if you had not did this, I would have done that. Because you know, with a sister, when their hand gets to moving, there's some trouble coming. You hear what I'm saying? <laughs> when their hand gets to moving, huh? don't let that hair be back in the, in the ponytail. Don't let, that, don't let it be back. Oh, it's going to be trouble. <laughs> and I ain't talking about no good trouble. Rest in peace, John Lewis. I ain't talking about no good trouble. It's going to be trouble, though. It's my integrity, my words, my actions, my attitude will affect my spouse. Here it is. Pastor, what do you mean by my actions? What do you mean by my words? Here it is. Eve, please get this, had an inappropriate conversation with someone else that she shouldn't have. Okay. <laughs> uh, y'all want to talk to me this morning. You're not talking to me from the kitchen table. I can hear you talk back to me. Eve had an inappropriate conversation with someone that wasn't her husband. You got to be careful. 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 I know. I know. I know. We be so quick to come down on women. Oh, you got to be. You got to be. You got to be mindful about these loose women out there. You got to be loose. You got to be mindful about Jezebel. But listen here. Listen here. Jezebel is not just. It's not just sanctioned for a woman. It's a spirit that can operate in a man as well. You got to be careful. There may be some Jesse's running around that's trying to smooth talk you and have some inappropriate conversations. Hope ain't nobody watching name Jesse, but you get what I'm saying. It's just short. Going around and running, having conversations. That's where the trouble came in. If Eve had said, hey, you know what, honey? I'm sorry for having an inappropriate conversation with someone else when I should have talked to you when he came to me. Mm -hmm. Trouble came when she entertained somebody else mm -hmm. other than her husband. When he came, her first response should have been, let me go talk to my husband and see what he got to say. When God had already told them, don't eat from that tree. Right, right, right. Come on. Your actions, your words, your attitudes affect your spouse. Oh, pastor, we just friends. You're right. You're right. You are. But they don't see you as a play brother or play sister. Oh, man, you just overthinking it. No, it's the Holy Spirit working within me, warning, hey, back up from it. Because it could lead to trouble. Your personal integrity, how you talk to your spouse, or how you, or the lack thereof, will tremendously affect your spouse. Do you talk to your wife or your husband with words of honor? 
Do you talk to your spouse with words of respect? Do you have an attitude with your spouse constantly? Are you willing to admit where you're wrong? Are you willing to say sorry? Are you willing to hash things out? Or are you quick to walk around three weeks with an attitude not saying nothing? Because if you do, I guarantee you, it's going to affect your spouse. Because I told you, 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 where there's no honor, where there's no honor, where there's no respect, there's not going to be any intimacy. And I'm talking about sex right there. Where there is no honor, where there is no respect, folks ain't going to hang out long. And it will be very tempting, not right, not right, not right, but it will be very tempting for them to engage the voice of someone else that's given them respect and honor. Got to keep your guard up at all times. Because even in that, it's your personal integrity that will, that will affect your wife regardless of what they've done, regardless of what they said, regardless of what their attitude may have been. It will still affect them and your marriage. Pastor Charlie Dates, pastor of Progressive Church in Chicago, said something in an interview a few years ago I heard him share, and it left a lasting impact. He said, the greatest success for me is that on my deathbed, I can look my children in the face and say that I have been faithful to your mother. He said, the greatest success I can have as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, is that on my deathbed, I can make the declaration, I have been faithful to your mother. What a declaration to make. What a declaration to make. What a success story. Success story. Pastor, how do I apply this to my life whether I've been married one minute, 10 minutes, 50 years? How do I apply this to my life if I'm, if I'm single and looking towards marriage? How do I apply this to my life where I have not seen any good example of marriage? Here it is. Here's the one thing I want you to know. That priority, devotion, partnership, and personal integrity won't happen without work. It ain't going to happen without work. It's not going to happen without work. It's not going to happen without work. It's, it's not going to magically appear. It's going to take work. And if you're not willing to put work into marriage, please, ma'am, please, sir, don't say I do. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. If you're doing marriage counseling with your pastor and they're saying, you know what, I, I think you need a little bit more time. Adhere to what they're saying and don't think that they're hating on you. Everybody ain't hating on you. Some folks are trying to give you wisdom, but you're so arrogant that you can't receive it. Oh, they just, I'm going to go to the justice of the peace. Listen, if you go to the justice of the peace, that's fine. You're just a dollar sign for them. Listen to the one that keeps watch over your soul. And if you don't trust their wisdom or their guidance, then you shouldn't be at that church under that leadership. Marriage is work. Doesn't matter how, how cute you are. Doesn't matter what the chemistry is like. Marriage is work. And if you're not willing to put in the work, don't say I do. But if you're willing to put in the work 
And if you have been put in the work, and if you fell off with putting in the work, let's get back on the train towards making marriage great again. And give our devotion, and, and give our time, and, get, and make it a partnership, and give our personal integrity. So that marriage can be attractive, that your kids will say, man, I can't wait to have what mom and daddy. I know everything ain't been, ain't been perfect, but I can't wait to have what mom and daddy has. Because marriage gives you a partner that you have for the rest of your life, that you should have for the rest of your life. That will walk with you through hell and high waters. When Sister Swims and I were dating, I went home one time and my mom asked me, she said, you know, do you think you're going to, you think Brittany's the one, family loved her, even to this day, they'll call, check on her, and I'm like, hey, hey, I'm, I was born here, and hey, I'm here too, you know, they just, the kids, Brittany, how they doing, what they doing, hey, my nieces will call her, haven't talked to me in months, but they call Auntie Brittany, hey, I'm Uncle Chip, you know, a little salty about that at first, but I made it through. She asked me, she said, do you think that she's the one? I said, yeah, Ma, I, th I think she is. She said, how? How do you know she's the one? I said, I believe that if I got to a place and couldn't take care of myself, she would take care of me. That if I couldn't bathe myself, if I couldn't, the things that I'm used to doing, if I couldn't do it, I think she'll ride with me and she'll do it for me. Mama said, then that's how you know you got the right one that will be with you through all of life's trials and tribulations. Let's make marriage made, let's make marriage great again. That it can be a domino effect, not just the fact that you've secured generational wealth for your family. That's good. That's great. Do it. But also, that there's a legacy of godly marriages that are produced. A legacy that can look back, my great, great, great grandmother, my great, great, a legacy. I want to pray right now for marriages. that it may not be great for you right now. And you may be even considering divorce in there. You may have legit reasons for it. But I want to ask you a question before you meet with the lawyer, before you go to court, have you prayed about it? Have you consulted God? Have you consulted wise counsel? The Bible says there's safety in wise counsel. prayed about it have you taken some self-evaluation to see what part you may have everything has it been on now but have you asked yourself what did I do what did I say that may have contributed to the mess that we're in right now they didn't create this mess by themselves have you prayed about it Is your marriage worth fighting for?
I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying, think about these questions. Talk to God. Seek wise counsel. Before you make a life-altering decision, that's even if you are considering marriage, ask yourself these four questions. Before you make a life-changing decision. I want to pray two prayers. First prayer, I want to pray for families. I want to pray for marriages. Secondly, I want to pray for our students from kindergarten all the way to college. They're going to go start back to school this week. For teachers, administrators, it's challenging times now. A huge adjustment that some are having to make. Some states, some cities are doing in person. Regardless of what they're doing, we want to pray for them. First, let's pray for marriages. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the institution that you have sanctioned called marriage. We thank you, Father God, for the fruit that comes from marriage. We thank you, Father God, for the covenant of marriage. We thank you for your plan for marriage and what you desire to do in that thing, Lord. I pray for every husband. I pray for every wife right now, God. I pray that this just won't have longevity in their marriage. I pray that they will thrive in their marriages, oh God. I pray that they will love each other from this day until the day they close their eyes on this side. I pray that where they may be struggling, Lord, God, if it's a thing of control, if it's a thing of dominance, God, I pray that you will do some settling and do some, some changing and do some adjustments in their, in their personal security. They ask themselves some tough questions, Father. To, go, to get things in line, to get things right. I pray that you will make them aware of their ego and their arrogance and their pride when they're not so quick to forgive, when they're not so quick to say I'm sorry. I pray that you will do some conviction in their hearts that they're married and living as if they're single. God, help them to realize that's not marriage. It's not marriage. It's not marriage. It's not marriage. I pray for restoration. I pray for fresh unity, Lord God. I pray that they will take a part in whatever, whatever resource that you make available, Father God, for them to do better, to get better in their marriage. Do it, Father. So that there's a godly legacy that will come from that seed. Father, I pray for our students that are getting ready to go back to school this week here in Southern Illinois. God, if we ever pray for safety, we pray for it now. That you will keep every student, every teacher, every staff member safe, Father. We plead the blood of Jesus over them now. Whether they're remotely, whether they're in person, whether it's hybrid, we plead the blood of Jesus over them right now. We pray for your covering. We pray for your protection. We pray for every. We pray for every district superintendent, every every principal, every assistant principal, every school board member. Those that are part of the decision making, God, give them wisdom. Give them wisdom, Father God, to make the best decision for their context. Give them rest, every principal, Father God. Give them rest, every superintendent. Give them a peaceful rest, Lord. 
I pray that you will help parents as they're having to juggle and make a huge adjustment, Father God. If they're needing child care, I pray that you will provide it and that you will provide the means for it to pay for it, Father. I pray for those, Father God, that may be nervous now about what their job looks like since the students are not back in school. Father God, I pray for divine provision, Lord God. That they won't operate from fear. They won't operate out off of anxiety. But they will fully trust you. We thank you, we praise you, we glorify you, and we magnify your name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray and we say amen.